Welcome to another podcast from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. My name is Raj Basord, and I'm a consultant psychiatrist based at the Bethlehem Royal and Morsley Hospitals in South London. Joining us today is Dr. Martin Bohus, who is the chairman of the Department of Psychosomatic Medicine at the Central Institute of Mental Health in Mannheim, Germany. And he and some co-authors have published a fascinating paper in the February edition of the British Journal of Psychiatry. And the title of the paper is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder as a Potentially Aggravating Factor in Borderline Personality Disorder. So, uh, Dr. Bohus, let me start by asking you, what is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder? Yes, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is a disorder which usually is beginning in the early childhood. Um, and uh, in about 16% of the cases, it, it persists uh, to adulthood. And... Um, it is defined as some sort of severe hyperactivity and inability to keep your focus on and your attention uh, on one spot. So uh, the kids are usually very easily distracted and have, high, uh, have a lot of difficulties in uh, conducting their performances. And um, the problem is that it is well known and good uh, um, researched uh, disorder during childhood and it took us some years till it came clear that, as I said, about 16% of the, of the kids, they have this persistent symptomatology during adulthood. And what we now found and what we assumed, firstly, is that um, in borderline personality disorder, which is also a very, very uh, severe disorder with a high suicide rate and uh, a lot of um, complicated psychophysiological problems, that there might be some sort of comorbidity. Um, this means that patients with borderline personality disorder reported that during their childhood they also experienced symptoms which fitted to that what we call attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. You've mentioned the term borderline personality disorder in your answer. Could you tell us what borderline personality disorder is? What do psychiatrists mean when they refer to this disorder? Yeah, borderline personality disorder at its core is uh, pervasive affective instability um, combined with impulsivity and very unstable relationships and severe dis dis uh, disorders of what we call self-images. Uh, it affects about 1 to 2% of the general population and usually starts during early adolescence and persists about, uh, till about 45 or to the age of 50. And um, those patients suffer from very intense um, emotions. This means the threshold for activating emotions is quite low and the, the intensity of the emotions is very intense and the emotions are long-lasting, much longer-lasting than in usual human beings. And uh, those patients learn to terminate this high state of affective arousal by weird uh, behaviors like burning or cutting or intoxicating or what we call high-risk behavior. This means sitting on railroad tracks and something like that. They commonly are mostly suicidal, and we have really suicide rates between 7 and 10%. So it's a severe and long-lasting chronic disorder. 
So let's talk about the study itself published in the British Journal of Psychiatry. How was the study conducted? The study is based on a sample of, meanwhile, 250 female patients with borderline personality disorder. It is the largest good diagnosed sample currently available in Europe. We started the study seven years ago in Freiburg, and now we have this large sample. And this, uh, this, but the 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 paper we have currently uh, published is based on ha- about half of the sample. This means we have now in, in the data analysis is based on 120 patients. Um, female patients with borderline personality disorder and conducted about nine hours uh, diagnostic interviews each patient. And um, what we are are focusing was first a lot of biographical um, experiences and then a whole bunch of psychometrics. We also assess DNA. So the focus is on the main range is on social, genetic, environmental uh, interactions. So the question is, what does the genes and what does the environment um, to uh, bring together to the development of borderline personality disorders? And um, one one question uh, is, this is the first paper we have published now out of this sample, the first and for us quite important question was, how many of those per, uh, patients really reported um, about childhood ADHD? and how many of those patients have currently during adulthood ADHD. And it was mainly a clinical question since ADHD during adulthood is quite a good treatable uh, disorder. We have medication to do that and we have specific psychotherapy to do that. And if you oversee it and if you don't diagnose it, uh, then uh, it has, I think, strong impacts on on the treatment outcome of the patients. What would you say your main results were in the study? We have two main results. The first is that about 40% of the patients who are suffering from borderline personality during adulthood report that they fulfilled the criteria for ADHD during childhood. This is, and we took a very conservative uh, readout, so you could say about half of the patients reported this. And the second and very important uh, result is that about 16% of the currently treatment-seeking patients fulfill the full criteria for ADHD uh, in adulthood. So this is the, these are the two results. And the third result is that we um, conducted a lot of uh, calculations and found that those with current ADHD, as well as those with uh, childhood ADHD, those are those who experience more um, what we call emotional abuse, emotional neglect, and uh, aversive childhood experience. Those patients are sicker on the general borderline symptomatology. This means um, the diagnosis of ADHD has a strong impact on the level of borderline symptomatology. So those are, let's say, three uh, major results. What would you say are the clinical implications for uh, practicing clinicians of these remarkable findings? I think there are 
two clinical implications. The first is think about that. <laughs> this means take it in mind that usually borderline patients are that, um, let's say, thrilling and sometimes overwhelming their therapists and their psychiatrists that they simply oversee that there are is, is severe treatable uh, comorbidity like ADHD. Um, the second is, once you have diagnosed it, uh, think about um, medical treatment. So we know from other studies on ADHD during adulthood that drugs like methylphenidate um, have a response rate or lead to a response rate uh, of about 60 to 70 percent. And uh, we think it's quite important to provide this pharmacological treatment also to borderline patients who are experienced comorbid ADHD. Um, this does not mean that the patients then get totally off their borderline symptomatology, but it opens a good window for developing treatment. This means patients are then much more capable to look for their schedules. They don't forget all the uh, all their things. They are able to uh, a better have a better control of their impulsivity, and uh, they really rise their social performance during, uh, due to the medication. And this is a good and very easy to applicate um, uh, possibility to, let's say, to build a good fundament uh, for psychotherapeutic treatment, what they totally need. Uh, but I thought that there's been relatively little research that demonstrates that the medical treatment for ADHD let us say, in the form of some of the stimulant medications, is of actual benefit in borderline personality disorder, which is, seems to be what you're suggesting that clinicians should be thinking about trying. Yes, you're totally right. There's, as far as I know, not one study <laughs> was really looking at the, at the benefits of uh, uh, methylphenidate on, uh, on borderline with ADHD. But the other thing is there are good data on general ADHD in adulthood, and I think from my clinical experience, there's no difference whether you have a comorbid, uh, comorbid uh, borderline personality disorder or not. Uh, but you're really making a good point. It's totally necessary to uh, to, to run uh, RCTs on both, on, on patients with BPD and ADHD, to look whether we have find the same medication effects. But as long as we don't have these RCTs, and this will take us years till we get them, uh, I think the clinician can simply argue and say, okay, um, if I have somebody with another personality disorder, let's say paranoid uh, or narcissistic or any kind of, uh, of personality disorder plus ADHD, nobody would say, okay, I will not treat this patient. For that is... I think there's no reason not to believe that it is at least a good test. For the clinician, then, um, is there a particular kind of patient with borderline personality disorder where you would encourage them to be thinking about the comorbidity of ADHD and thinking about these treatments for ADHD? Is there a kind of borderline personality disorder where the symptoms change a little bit or a little bit different which should make the clinician think about this comorbidity issue with ADHD or do you think they should be thinking about it with every borderline personality disorder patient? 
No, you're totally right. There's a some there's a specific prototype. I think the one is uh there let's say they are flurry uh, most of them are very have troubles to to keep their schedules um they have troubles to control their impulsivity there are by the way there are good data the most yeah there are good data that the whole impulsivity point which is one of the main key items of borderline personality disorder is only a problem for those with comorbid ADHD yeah this means uh, troubles controlling your effects uh, uh, on the behavioral level, troubles to um, controlling your cognitive attendance and, and, and things like that. Um, and then you ask them, how was it as, you were, uh, as a child? Uh, did you have troubles in school? Uh, were you dreamy, daydreaming? Uh, did you have troubles concentrating? Did you always lose and, and forget your school bag or stuff like that? And most of the of, of the female patients reported, yes, the, I, I was that sort of daydreamers. And the teacher took my parents in and said she, she really could work better and perform better if she even would, would, would dare to concentrate or so. The difference between the girls and the boys in the, in the childhood is that the boys are mainly hyperactive on the behavioral level, whereas the, the girls often are at this daydreamer level. And this is, they, are not, um, they do not impress that much. So it is often retrospective that, that you can ask these symptoms. And I think this is this type of um, where you have at least should uh, take out your diagnostic instruments and uh, consider this. What's the next step in your research program? The next step is uh, is um, are two two parts. The one is the genetics. Uh, there's strong good results that uh, ADHD is uh, mainly mainly uh, genetic driven uh, uh, psychiatric disorders, and so we look for the for the genetics uh, in this subgroup of uh, of ADHD comorbid patients. That's the one, and the second is that we are currently on the way to conduct an RCT, randomized controlled trial, to test uh, uh, the effects of uh, medication on this comorbidity. Those are the two aspects we are going for. Dr. Martin Bohas, thank you very much indeed. Thank you.